Bill's the opposite, right? Literally, uh, the crocodile was, was in there after him and he changed everything around. And, and I think it has something to do with who he is as a person. And I think that's where I kind of want to go to today because everyone has a different way of reacting. It's kind of... Hi, and welcome to the Compassionate Achiever podcast. I'm Tracy Day, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Chris Cook, political and social science professor at Western Connecticut State University. He's founder of the Center for Compassion, Creativity, and Innovation, Fulbright Scholar, and ex-counterintelligence officer. But his latest project has been writing the book, The Compassionate Achiever, How Helping Others Fuel Success. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, Tracy. This is kind of weird. I can hear you but i don't see you sitting across the table from me this is uh, kind of like where are you yes uh, have you entered another realm or what's the story here i know i know it's like where's waldo no i feel <laughs> so i i'm just so lucky to be on nantucket today oh. and uh but didn't want to miss the show so we're just doing it via cell phone, and so you'll just have to pretend. Maybe we could put up one of those little face pictures, like in the chair across from the <laughs> studio from you. Yes, and I'll put that. Nantucket scenery in the background, right? And, and yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling jealous or anything, so. <laughs> no, no, no. You're in a black box, and I'm yes. Yeah, don't feel like that. So, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Next time, I'll be the person in the chair, and you'll be off to somewhere <laughs> fabulous, like you always are. So, it's all good, right? It is. Well, you know, we always um, our mission on the podcast is to highlight compassionate achievers you bet. who, in their own right, are very compassionate and have achieved some serious success. And I think our guest today is the embodiment of that. He is amazing. Um, Bill Beatty was a top exec for Union Carbide in the U.S. and South Africa until about 1986. He then went on to form the Strategic Minerals Corporation. It's a mining and metals company. He sold that. And then ever since then, he has been doing amazing philanthropic endeavors. And So I want to welcome Bill. And I think... You're out there on Nantucket with him. <laughs> All right. Yes. He is. Yeah. We're actually going to um, see this amazing speaker tonight. And so that's why I said to Bill, and actually Bill is from Danbury, Connecticut, um, where Westcon is, um, and does um, just incredible work with Jericho Partnership. And so we're going to get into that. So welcome, Bill. Thank you for the phone call. Thank you, Bill. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for agreeing to do this. This is really, we really appreciate it. And I know you're taking time out of your uh, busy, busy schedule out here. I know you've got a lot on your plate today, but I do appreciate you taking the time to do it because I think your story of how you went from really big success at Union Carbide and at your own company, the Strategic Minerals Corporation, um, has been incredible and you've turned that around into just one of the most compassionate stories I know. Um, so I know in 2005 you felt called to found Jericho partnership, which, um, is a Christian based organization, uh, that serves youth homeless and other risk populations. And we're certainly going to talk about that more, but I want to dive into your 
first endeavor that was to start Pathways, Danbury. So tell us about that and how you think compassion played a part in all of that success. Well, uh, that goes back to uh, 1995 uh, was when uh, the, uh, the, the, the Pathways uh, uh, vision came forth. But uh, just a little bit of the history there. My wife and I were celebrating our 35th uh, wedding anniversary in uh, 1995. And at the same time, we had just paid off all of our uh, loans to Union Carbide. We had done a leveraged buyout uh, uh, from Carbide to uh, to launch uh, Strategic Minerals Corporation. Uh, so we were a highly leveraged, uh, very worried management team for a period of time. But in uh, in 1995, we, we finally got all that uh, behind us and uh, uh, celebrating a, a 35th wedding anniversary. And we went back to... Uh, a place of our first love, uh, South Africa or Southern Africa, and uh, took a, a canoe trip. And I'll try to make this as brief as possible, but uh, I'm a city kid. I don't know anything about uh, canoes. And uh, second day on the Zambezi River, I capsized the uh, canoe. Oh, and uh, if you know anything <laughs> about that part of the world, that's not a good thing to do. No. Um, uh, and so I was in the, uh, in the Zambezi River, a crocodile came off the shore, uh, came within uh, seven to ten feet of me. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't see it, but people in the canoe, the rescue canoe, did, and told me about it uh, later. But uh, the, the crocodile came within ten feet of me, and then, uh, for no obvious reason, went uh, took a hard right turn, went downriver, and uh, uh, never, never touched me. And uh, wow. as I reflected on that moment. It was obvious to me that uh, it was only God's mercy that had uh, saved me, and so when we came back to Danbury after our after our trip, we got over that somehow. But uh, came back, I decided that uh, uh, if, if he was willing to uh, save me from the crocodile, there uh, there obviously was something he wanted me to do. And uh, having been an at-risk kid in Philadelphia uh, my childhood, raised by a single parent, and uh, uh, and no one from our uh, family had ever graduated from high school. I, I just thought uh, giving back to the inner city, to the uh, the fatherless child, uh, 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 was what God was calling me to do. So that's how we we launched our Pathways Danbury uh, ministry, uh, which was primarily directed at uh, fatherless, uh, fatherless boys at the time, and um, started out in 1996 with our first uh, five young men that we uh, mentored through. Uh, uh, connecting them with uh, men at our local churches uh, to provide uh, one-on-one uh, mentoring services for uh, for those five, and then we added five per year for a period of time, and uh, until we got up to uh, right now, we're at roughly uh, 40 men and 25 young ladies in the program. Uh, but the crocodile had a had a very important role in uh, getting me to that point of uh, looking beyond company and family and looking into the community and uh, and recognizing uh, a need for uh, for help for uh, for kids who were fatherless at risk and uh, and uh, needing help wow so Chris do you ever notice that people um, often turn their mindset around when they have some kind of a um, an episode, if you will, like that. Is that pretty typical of 
kind of a life-changing thing if something like that happens? Do people generally go more compassionate or do they turn, you know, more bitter or, you know, we talked to um, uh, someone else about that, that Right. They had a life-changing experience, and you know the whole uh, Jesse thing. That um, so, do you find that is that pretty typical? It actually depends on the person. It depends on you know both you know their genetic makeup and the experiences that they had. So, you know, everyone has a different way of reacting uh, to it. And all I could think of when I was listening to Bill was uh, crocodile tears and how he's kind of transformed that definition because crocodile tears right <laughs> is this kind of superficial sympathy or a false uh, insincere display of uh, affection. And Bill's the opposite, right? Literally, uh, the crocodile was was in there after him and he changed everything around. And and I think it has something to do with who he is as a person. And I think that's where I kind of want to go to today because everyone has a different way of reacting. It's kind of, you know, when they go through something like that, it's, we all do it. You know, it could be the fear of heights, and some people will jump to overcome their fear of heights. Others will just, you know, grab on and won't let go. What, what is it that causes a person to do that? And I think Bill can help us, you know, shed some of that. And listening to him, and you could tell he's uh, a man of faith. And when, when, I, when I listen to him, um, I happen to know my Bible a little bit. And I know Luke chapter 17 talks about how the kingdom of God is in every one of us, right? And so mm-hmm. how we actually help one another that's how the kingdom of god you know come come comes about and that's one of the reasons i believe that compassion all religions have something like that in their in their faiths it's about helping one another and it's we there's so many similarities between faiths more similarities Mm -hmm. than there are differences and and so i think that question tracy that, that you have it depends on 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 the person but i think we can create an environment where most people will do what Bill Bill does, and I think he's trying to do that, you know, especially with the Jericho Partnership, uh, helping the homeless, and and I think it it depends on what people experience, not only what their genetic makeup is, you know, if they have more dopamine in their brain is what I'm talking about, basically, right, the neurotransmitters that are mm-hmm. that get released, but you release more dopamine when you're in a compassionate environment. That's what I mean. It depends upon people's experience because once you start releasing it, it kind of becomes a habit. And I think runners know this, right? Runners have a runner's mm-hmm. high. Runner's high. Exactly. Kind of thing, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But we can get that citizen's high. We can get that community high by doing the things that, for example, that Bill does and other compassionate achievers. And that's what, you know, I think this podcast is also about. So I, I want to get into, into Bill a little bit more about, you know, what, what's he doing and to, to get that out there and how, how he's doing it. Because, Bill, one of the things that, you know, we're focusing on, and this is what Tracy's question I thought was really, really great to me about, is about giving tools to our listeners about how to get out there and do that. Because, you know, some people are like, well, you know, I'm just one person. I can't make a difference. I, or they'll say something, Bill, like, um, I didn't head Union Carbide. I don't have the resources to do that. You know, what do you say to someone who doesn't have, you know, your experience, you know, that of, of leading a, a really influential, powerful organization and then, you know, going out afterwards? I, I always tell them, it's one person can make a difference. And some people don't know their Bible. They don't know Luke 
you know, chapter 17. And, and so we, it's kind of reaching out for anyone who is anybody who doesn't know anything about a specific religion. What would you say to them, Bill, about, you know, getting out there and doing it and making the difference while also succeeding in your own life? Because I think you're a model of that. And that's why Tracy wanted you on here. And I couldn't agree more with her. Well, I had just to, just to, uh, just to go back a little bit uh, in history, uh, 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 when I was with Union Carbide in South Africa, I had a, a tremendous experience that uh, helped me understand uh, this, this role of compassion in, uh, in uh, our, our business life as well as in our uh, uh, 24-hour-a-day life. Uh, South Africa at the time was, uh, uh, was overwhelmed with uh, apartheid. Ugly uh, uh, system that uh, was just uh, uh, killing the majority of people in that country. And uh, Leon Sullivan uh, instituted a uh, what he called the the Sullivan Principles when he was at General Motors, as well as uh, he was at the time a, a senior pastor of a church in uh, in Philadelphia, my hometown. And uh, he demanded that uh, unless uh, U.S. companies in South Africa changed their employment practices. Uh, desegregated, desegregated their uh, facilities, uh, provided uh, fair employment practices, equal pay, whatever, uh, that he would remove General Motors support and, uh, and challenge uh, all U.S. companies for the basis for their staying in South Africa. And I was given that assignment while I was down there while still working on the, in the metals business and, the, and our mining projects. Uh, and it was so wonderful to see, uh, literally see change take place. And it wasn't only uh, at the corporate uh, hierarchy level, but also individuals to see people's uh, reactions to all of a sudden uh, seeing um, walls broken down in uh, in locker rooms and uh, and people being given an opportunity to manage other people, even though they were uh, black and the others being managed were white. It was just such an incredible experience to see how lives can be changed uh, by uh, by by corporate decisions, but also by people willing to have uh, to take the risk and uh, and the courage to uh, to implement those and to uh, live under those circumstances so i it was a great experience in seeing that uh, change can take place in a dramatic way even in the in the worst of uh, environments and uh, so w- what we try to do here in uh, in, uh, in danbury in the and we focus on the at risk community is to change lives uh, certainly in total, but uh, we, we, we try to do it on an individual basis. And uh, mentoring, for one example, is a wonderful uh, example of um, one individual being able to step beside a fatherless uh, young man or young lady and change that life uh, to uh, provide uh, a trusting relationship, uh, to help them through difficult uh, issues, to encourage them in their education, to uh, um, to help them do the right thing. We also ask that they uh, support uh, uh, a faith dimension in their lives. And as, as a Christian organization, obviously it's our, our Christ-centeredness that we encourage. But the, 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 the uh, dramatic effect of, uh, of somebody standing beside and stepping beside someone uh, without a um, father figure, without a uh, family family, uh, 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 background to support them. It's a tremendous experience. I've had I've done that uh, individually with four young men and, uh, and seen many, many other young men and uh, young women uh, uh, mentored by people in our, in our community uh, who all they had was, to, uh, was a love of kids 
and a desire to help and a, and a compassionate need to uh, uh, to help out somebody who is uh, less fortunate. So uh, we see it every day, and it's just uh, just um, uh, it's an example in our mentoring program, but we see it in our homeless activities. Uh, uh, certainly see it in the, the way we uh, uh, our our, uh, our hope line. Uh, uh, ministry steps beside uh, those uh, young ladies uh, pregnant, uh, struggling with uh, life decisions. Uh, it's uh, it's an exciting experience. So I uh, I have no difficulty uh, uh, talking to people and encouraging them to uh, to step up and be an individual there in the in the trenches, trying to help uh, uh, young folks or or, or older folks who uh, who need some help. And, and, and so, Bill, yeah, you ahead. have some phenomenal um, success with this program. So people could say, yeah, well, that's all great and good that they're, you know, walking beside these children or, you know, boys, girls, whatever, as a mentor. But you've seen just incredible odds that, you know, these were at-risk kids that were really kind of falling through the cracks. So can you tell us a little bit about the success that you've had with that program? Yeah, sure. Uh, when we started in 95, in terms of our, our mentoring uh, program, uh, I think the national average was at um, uh, 50% of urban uh, kids uh, were dropping out of high school. And uh, once that step takes place, it's just a, a downward spiral into all kinds of uh, difficulty. And uh, so graduation rates is, uh, is, a, is a metric that we feel is, uh, is very important. And um, over the over the years, uh, uh, we, we've gotten to the point now where if, if a parent is willing to uh, bring their child to us, and um, they invest uh, seven years in our mentoring and uh, middle school program and after school program, uh, I think I can uh, very confidently say that that young man or young lady is going to graduate from uh, from high school. And we do it through um, uh, middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. We do it through our after-school program. Once the, uh, that uh, that uh, young person graduates from uh, middle school, goes into one of the high schools in the city, and uh, and then is uh, in a mentoring relationship with one of our uh, men or women, uh, it, it, it increases the their their uh, uh, their graduation rate potential for that uh, tremendously. So we, uh, as I said, we look to 100%. I think over the entire uh, 20 some years, uh, we probably are averaging, uh, uh, 85% of our, of our youth are, um, are graduating from high school, but, uh, the number gets, uh, uh, larger and higher as we, as we get more experience and, uh, understand better the challenges out there. But, uh, uh we think it's absolutely critical that, uh, uh, a child graduates, uh, from high school. And then in the, in the course of that, those seven years, we also prepare them for, uh, uh, for college, um, we just announced 16 uh, uh, high school awards to graduates uh, a couple weeks ago. And of those 16 uh, uh, graduates, uh, each of them had a, a post-high school uh, program. Most of them were going to uh, uh, university and uh, or a two-year college. In fact, almost uh, 100% of them were. And uh, so it's uh, – but, but graduating from high school is certainly the first step. Uh, we also uh, stress uh, um, uh, developing lifestyles and uh, and values that uh, are important to uh, success. Uh, we feature um, 
10 Bible verses that we think is, uh, is the basis is the kind of the, uh, uh, the map, uh, for living, uh, uh, post high school. And, 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 and so we try to equip them for everything they'll need, uh, once they graduate from high school, but getting them, uh, to graduate is, is, uh, is the number one challenge and something that we think is very, very important. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, I know we've talked about nature versus nurture and compassion before. And, Bill, you said that you were an at-risk kid yourself growing up in North Philly um, with just your mother. Is there somebody who really had an impact on you that, you know, you felt like was kind of your leader to make you compassionate? Or do you think you've always had it? Have you, were you just kind of born with that or both? No, I don't. I don't think I was uh, born with it uh, at all, uh, uh, Tracy. I think, in fact, uh, uh, through uh, I, I was uh, I was uh, blessed with two mentors when I was in high school. One was uh, uh, a youth pastor, and the other was uh, my chemistry instructor. And uh, and, uh, Mr. Carl Marzullo, and uh, for whatever reason, he befriended me and uh, uh, insisted that uh, I consider going to. Uh, college and uh mm-hmm. that changed my life and it was certainly a compassionate act on his part uh to take me aside and take a personal interest in me beyond just uh trying to trying to understand the uh, periodic table and uh so that was a, a compassion act that impacted me and then i got to um uh, to lehigh university on a uh, football academic scholarship but the uh, uh the school was uh, was very uh, uh, helpful and provided me with a lot of uh, benefits, uh, financial as well as work opportunities, and uh, uh, and I've always felt indebted to uh, Lehigh University for the compassionate way that they have uh, that they reached out to me as a under undergrad and uh, uh, tried to uh, maintain a close relationship uh, with Lehigh. Uh, we have a, a, a special program up at Lehigh for uh, at-risk kids who. Um, are good students, but need some uh, additional support while they're at Lehigh. Um, but I, I don't think I was born to be uh, compassionate, but I think seeing uh, compassionate folks step into my life uh, certainly uh, had, had inspired me, my experience in the, in South Africa. Uh, and, and also just seeing uh, within our church and within other, uh, uh, within the community, people reaching out uh, in, in great ways is a, as a, as a real encouragement for people to be more compassionate. And I, uh, I mentioned to, um, Tracy a little while ago that, uh, uh, William Wilberforce was, was one of my models. And, uh, this is back in the 18th century, early part of the 19th century. And one of his great objectives was to, um, uh, make doing good fashionable. And that's always been my dream of uh, how do you how do you do that in this day and age when uh, uh, the bottom line seems to be so important. Uh, uh, but that was that's that's always been a, just a great uh, thought of making doing good fashionable, the thing that uh, that people uh, talk about and uh, and try to uh, model. And um, uh, to me, it would have a, a, a tremendously uh, a significant impact on our community if we could uh, we could we could achieve that. Mm-hmm. Chris, you've talked about how compassion is different um, than empathy because you have to act on it, right? Right. Can you so 
Can you address that a little bit about, you know, what Bill's talking about is all these things have had action, like people have actually helped him and and not not just modeled it, but in some way had some action. I mean, so that's different than empathy, right? Right. Empathy is you know, having that basic feeling for someone, but you don't have to you know, do anything. And compassion is about trying, right? It's about it's about stepping out of your comfort zone. That it's I don't want to say comfort zone. I want to say protective layer, right? And and remember that human beings we're we're social beings, we're we're social creatures, and we succeeded through the evolution of of the earth and because we cooperated with one another when there were larger animals um, we if we were alone we would have failed um, but together we succeeded and you know and I think a lot of times we forget that and you know Bill's um, comment about his uh, the person he looks back in history and says you know making kindness making good fashionable that's actually in our brain we <laughs> when we help one another when we cooperate with one another we release chemicals, neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. Dopamine gives us the high, serotonin which gives us that calm feeling. And when we feel alone, we have, we release cortisol, right? We release that stress, that stress hormone. And, and that's, that's where the fashion comes in, right? We fashion our own world by the actions we do, which then impact us intern, etern, internally, and eternally, internally though, right? In our brain. So what we do on the outside affects what we also think on the inside and vice versa. How we think on the inside affects what we do on the outside and, and do we connect with others? Um, do we help one another? And the more isolated uh, we become, I think the weaker we become, not just as a community, but as individuals. And we, and sometimes we can get too connected. Uh, I, and I mean by that by technology, right? Instead of looking in someone's eyes, and connecting with them as a human being, we think that a connection through technology is, is equally as important, and it's not, right? That you can, people will say things uh, anonymously online that they would never have the guts to say uh, in front of a person. And so it creates this disconnect, uh, really mean things, you know, online, uh, when, you know, there's repercussions when you say it in front of somebody. And I think we've lost this idea of what connecting is and and what trying to help someone in a compassionate way is all about and I, I think that's what helped us succeed and when you look at companies like General Mills you know over 15 years ago now they instituted in their structure uh, an actual compassion component a mindful component to help their employees move forward and what Bill's doing you know outside of the corporate world now and creating those connections in our community in the Danbury community I think can be modeled throughout other communities and and I, I'm hoping that some of our listeners would listen to Bill and say okay he's done it in that community maybe we can do something like that here and and by doing that that's an active effort that, that's compassion that's just not, you know, looking at the homeless and feeling, you know, some type of sadness. That, that's actually pity and that's sympathy. Bill's out, out there trying to make a difference, right? And, and those people, the people that he's helping are community members in his own community. So they're going to be giving back a lot more than what they received. And we don't think like that, but that's when it comes to the bottom line, that's what it's about. And that's why it's fashionable now 
to do the things that you know Bill's doing here, but if more people did it in their communities, I think we would have a better bottom line for our communities. I think you'll see businesses moving into those communities because people compare, um, they, they have compassion for one another, they, they care for one another. And so they will build stronger communities that have uh, emphasis on education. And what's really amazing is, you know, and Tracy, you and I talked about this, there's a bunch of new studies out uh, lately about the role of technology in jobs. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not looking just pure at technology. It's looking at the emotional labor. Compassion is now seen as a, an important skill to have in the new and future economy. And if people don't know how to have or be socially and emotionally aware and have compassion, they're going to lose out on jobs because uh, new studies have shown everything from CareerBuilder.com to uh, Aon Magazine are showing that those jobs in the, in the very near future are jobs where people have to connect with one another. They have to help, be able to help one another in a conducive way, in a constructive way. So, um, yeah, it's all about compassion. It's all about stepping in and trying, jumping into the pond. And as you said, um, it's like the more we become connected with technology, and believe me, I mean, I'm all about technology. It's, it's great. We're on a podcast. This is a good thing. But it can also be a negative because it's like the more we connect, the more we disconnect with one another. We can't just, as you said, look into somebody's eyes and, and have that act of compassion. You have to be able to do something. But Bill, as you've shown, one person can actually make a huge difference. And there's always places to go. Even, you know, I have people say to me, well, I'd love to get involved, but I really don't know where, or I don't have the time. Or what do you say to people like that? I mean, to me, there's always something you can do. Little, big, you've obviously you know, taken a huge bite and made such a difference. Um, But what do you say to that person that says, well, but how do I do it because I don't have time? Well, we have, uh, right now we have roughly uh, 3,000 volunteers who are uh, uh, serving uh, at least 15 hours a a year at uh, Jericho. We'd love to have uh, 4,000. And the opportunities uh, uh, are some of the longer term uh, uh, relationships like mentoring, like uh, 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 participating in our in our clinic if you're uh, if you have a medical background, but uh, uh, we're always looking for folks who can help uh, translate. We're always looking for folks uh, with a, a Spanish or a Portuguese uh, background in that in that regard. Uh, we need uh, tutors. We need um, all kinds of I mean, uh, our president, Kerry uh, Amos, uh, uh, can match somebody up with it with a uh, uh, a fulfilling uh, opportunity, uh, uh, no matter what the background, because our our, our needs uh, are, are so uh, uh, spread across the uh, the community, from uh, education to uh, uh, to medical to uh, the homeless to uh, uh, to counseling to uh, uh, just about uh, every social sphere. So. Uh, we have no shortage of, uh, of opportunities to uh, match people up with um, well, things that, uh, that are needed and uh, uh, will uh, allow people to, uh, to act and to act in a way that uh, is, is, is good for the community and, uh, uh, as Chris was indicating, uh, is good for the, uh, for the individual and, uh, and just uh, uh, allows them to, uh, 
to really do uh, what God has uh, created them to do. So uh, we just say, just just let us know. Come in and uh, visit with us or uh, talk to us on the telephone, but that we can find a role, a uh, key role for, for anybody in the community that matches up with their time, their skills, their love, their passion, and um, we'd love to love to see that happen. And you, I know you can uh, certainly jump on your website, jerichopartnership.org, right, that there's all kinds of volunteer opportunities there. But there's opportunities everywhere, you know, not just for people in Danbury, Connecticut, but all over. I mean, and as both of you have commented on, it's not just about helping the other guy. By doing that, it, you're helping yourself, right? I mean, isn't that part of of you you address that about the dopamine about um and bill you're you're saying you want to make it fashionable i mean i'm hoping that we're helping to make it fashionable right now but (laughs) by helping others you felt you help yourself too so um and bill i know you work with um what is it like 20 churches or something uh 26 uh churches yeah okay so is that hard sometimes to bring everyone together to try and work on one mission? Is everybody trying to kind of run their own show or do people really, do you find they really do come together to work as a group? Well, we believe that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the churches are called to unite and uh, as one, that's uh, biblical. And uh, uh, so I think everybody understands that that is, uh, uh, that's God's will. But the, uh, uh, like, like, uh, like all of us, uh, we have responsibilities that uh, relate to uh, 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 keeping the, uh, the the heat on and uh, and uh, uh, raising funds and uh, reaching out to those people in one's own congregation. But uh, um, uh, we we have a good uh, a good relationship with uh, with each of the churches. That, uh, uh, but keeping them uh, connected is uh, is always a is always a challenge. And, uh, but uh, uh, someone said uh, not too many years ago that the uh, uh, the church is the the one single institution uh, that can transform a city, uh, but at the same time they're probably one of the most fragmented institutions. And so our one of our basic strategies is to uh, bring the churches together uh, to connect them and take advantage of the great uh, uh, the great power and the great uh, influence. Uh, they have as uh, as a church in in a, in a city such as Danbury or any other city for that matter, but um, it takes uh, it takes leadership. It takes uh, uh, certainly a lot of prayer and uh, and um, uh, but we a, uh, we're, we're pleased with the support we have from our our 26 churches, not only in Danbury but in Greater Danbury and as far out as uh, as Wilton and Southbury. So uh, it's uh, it's it's been a been great to see. Uh, Folks coming together and uh, uniting behind uh, uh, ministry in the in the city of Danbury. Bill, can I ask you a question wow. when it comes to um, churches? And you know, I'm also um, with the Association of Religious Communities uh, as well. And one of the things that you know, listening to you, that popped in my mind is you know, Pew Research Study and a couple of the other um, research surveys over the last five years have shown that a lot of people are moving away from religion and becoming kind of like uncommitted, <laughs> you know, non-denominational. And is that having an effect on any of your efforts or 
Is, is it people just not going to church but still active in their communities? Has that affected you, the increase in non-denominational uh, identity uh, with people in any way? Is that, is that hurt or hindered or has it helped in any way? I'd be interested in, in, in hearing your take on that. Or maybe you haven't even felt that, um, even though the numbers show it. I think the, uh, the big challenge, and we were just talking to this uh, uh, issue uh, recently with our, with our pastors, is that uh, um, uh, the competition right now is not so much uh, uh, one uh, denomination versus another or even uh, uh, faith versus non-faith, but it's the, uh, it's the competition with the, uh, the kids' school and, uh, and, and, uh, and sports programs and all the other uh, things that uh, can distract uh, people on a uh, on a on a Sunday. Uh, I can remember not too many years ago when uh, nothing would happen before uh, one o'clock in the afternoon on uh, Sunday, so that people would uh, uh, would be able to schedule their kids uh, sports activities and whatever on the on a weekend or or more uh, rationally and consistent with uh, uh, with uh, with church uh, priorities. Um, on a global basis, of course. Uh, uh, the faith community is growing and uh, and is pr- projected to grow uh, uh, continually. Uh, but here in the states, I think we've uh, uh, there are people who are uh, been turned off from a formal so-called formal religion and looking to uh, to spirituality. Uh, but we believe that uh, uh, you know the the church has a has a very very important uh, role to play and that uh, worshiping together. Uh, is what provides the uh, uh, the strength to uh, to uh, to an individual to uh, want to go out and 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 do good. And uh, uh, the church is a vehicle for organizing uh, some of these activities. And uh, uh, we like to see our churches doing whatever they can do as a single church, and looking to Jericho for the uh, for the major projects that require uh, multiple churches. And uh, and so that's kind of a, a defining point. But I. Uh, it certainly is challenging. I think the uh, New England is probably uh, one of the more difficult places to uh, uh, to be involved in uh, in church. But uh, we've had several church plants come to uh, uh, New England and uh, New York City. I think is uh, probably one of the uh, places where church planning has been at record levels uh, in recent years. So uh, I think it's a it's a it's a mixed. Uh, uh, situation, Chris, but certainly it's it's not easy planning a church. It's not easy growing a church. Uh, it takes uh, strong leadership. It's strength. It takes, uh, I think, uh, from what people have seen, um, a, uh, a, a a a the importance of uh, a biblical truth is is uh, generally those churches that uh, are closer to that are those that are have uh, uh, probably grown and, and benefited from. Uh, uh, their um, uh, their their faithfulness with uh, uh, biblical truth, uh, but it's uh, it's uh, it's always a, a challenge, and I, I respect so much our our pastors of our churches who um, have got uh, uh, a lot of things to do, a lot of things to consider, from uh, uh, the uh, presence at a at a funeral or at a, a hospital bed to uh, preaching on. On Sunday to um, organizing a uh, uh, fairly large body of folks, so it's a it's a big job. But uh, I'd I'd, uh, uh, I'd I'd say that uh, as far as we're concerned, our our major concern is just having those churches united in some um, 
some some major uh, things that we believe God calls us to do in terms of reaching out to the uh, uh, the poor and needy, and uh, and just uh, being able to work as a as a single entity in those areas of uh, uh, fatherlessness and uh, uh, the graduation rates and the homelessness and in terms of various issues related to life and uh, the immigration issue is certainly an important one. Those five are where we feel we need to, uh, uh, for the church to be united in, uh, in uh, addressing those, uh, those needs. Thanks. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. I just, and thank you for being such a compassionate achiever yourself (laughs) and just starting Jericho partnership. And I know it's, been doing great things. It's going to do even more great things. So just, um, again, JerichoPartnership.org if you want more information. You can also go on uh, the CompassionateAchiever.com website and be sure and check out WCSU Media on your iTunes or your podcast channel for uh, more Compassionate Achievers to come. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, uh, Tracy, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share some time with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Tracy. And thank you, listeners. And we hope by listening to the Compassion Achiever podcast that you will be able to unleash the Compassionate Achiever within you so that you can unlock success. Thanks. Thanks.